Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on-topic and on-location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and each episode we bring you the perspectives and viewpoints of a group of IT luminaries. I'd like to take a moment for the guests to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise for today's episode, starting with Avril. Hey, Avril Sorter. I'm an independent consultant. I do uh, technical training. Troy? My name is Troy Martin. I do things that are wirelessly connected to other things wirelessly. My name is Keith Parsons. I run the Wireless Sound Professionals. We do WPC conference and happy to be here. All right. Well, thank you all very much for joining us. Let's jump into the premise for today's episode. You've probably heard a lot about Wi-Fi. It's the way that we connect our devices to uh, enterprise networks. It's the way that we consume the internet, stream TV shows, and things like that. At least when we're in the office or we're at home. When we're out and about, we're using cellular radios, LTE, 5G. But maybe you've heard that a lot of companies who are getting into the Wi-Fi market, who have had wireless practices for a while, are investigating the deployment options for using 5G privately in the enterprise. We hear a lot of talk about it at a lot of conferences, and a lot of companies are being purchased or partnered with to make that happen. But there's a problem. 5G is not an easy technology to deal with. Can we make it work in the enterprise with a group of people who are not well-versed in cellular technology? The premise for this episode is that 5G cannot be simplified for the enterprise. I have a panel of wireless experts here who are champing at the bit to tell me that I'm wrong, that 5G is not that complicated, right? Avril, you're shaking your head. Mm -hmm. Why are you shaking your head? Because 5G is complicated. Why? What's so complicated about it? I just pull my phone out and I can get on the internet. So the first thing I think that's really scary for enterprises is that there's a whole bunch of new terminology. Like any technology, um, you've got to learn a new set of acronyms and understand what it is. And then once you understand that, then you can leverage off it. But we are so concerned about introducing 5G and having to get past that learning curve that people are actually using the same terms that are used with Wi-Fi. And to me, if you call something uh, an access point when it's really a base station, you're going to confuse the people and leave people with false understanding of what it is. And people have to understand that you have to go through a learning curve to really understand what 5G is and therefore really be able to take advantage of 5G, not just for connectivity, but for all the other services and capabilities that it can offer down the road as well. I'd say you're probably right in that because one of the things we run into a lot in the networking world, of course, is the packet. But not everything is a packet. It's a frame at layer two. It's a flow at layer four. It's a lot like in video where every kind of camera movement has a specific name, but most people just say, okay, pan left, pan right, pan forward, pan back. Once we start using incorrect terminology, we confuse the matter because, well, which packet was I talking about this time? Right. And, and I think the, the terminology is just one part. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the biggest parts is at the very core of Wi-Fi, the client makes all the decisions, and our infrastructure is there to support the client the infrastructure might influence or try to influence which client joins which access point. Conversely, in the cellular world, the infrastructure is always in control of where the clients go. That's a, that's a 
pretty big difference between the two. And to have a single device, and like you'd mentioned your phone, can do Wi-Fi and it can do cellular. What it can't do is make really good decisions between the two. Once it's logged in Wi-Fi, even though it's doing Wi-Fi calling, it will roam on access points just like any other Wi-Fi client following its own algorithms. When you flip it over to cellular, the tower is doing the control. And so I think that, that makes it seem like it's really simple and it's doing its job. But when we want to merge those together, that will become problematic. So in a way, what we're running into is that we spend a lot of our time trying to make our clients smart enough to make good decisions. And the new terminology, the new technology that we're trying to use with 5G is that that's out of my hands now because it's being controlled by the base station. And for the longest time, we haven't had control over that. But now that we're turning those devices up in our networks, now we have to relearn how that works. And it may work cross-purposes from what we've known in the past. And I think we, the, the term is deterministic. We like, we want deterministic. We, there's some specific needs where a cellular solution is far better than any Wi-Fi solution, even though you're indoors. I mean, there's, there's all the issues about cellular has a wider range. It can go down to neg 105 dB. There's a lot of technical features. But sometimes companies want to put it in because they want their back of house issues, like the casino downstairs, they want their back of house to not be susceptible to Wi-Fi issues. They want that. And yet, the same client device, there's two entirely different chips in there making different decisions. So let's, let's talk about that, that aspect of it real quick, because one of the initial arguments that we got into with this whole thing is, oh, that you know, once we do private LTE or private 5G, you know, formerly known as CBRS, um, which still it kind of is, is going to displace Wi-Fi. Like you can just get rid of Wi-Fi and you can run everything off of, off of this. And what we've learned is that, as you kind of alluded to, that there are certain applications where private 5G makes a lot of sense for specific things like coverage areas or radio separation or stuff like that. But there's also still a lot of things that Wi-Fi is just better at. You know, have we finally crossed that bridge to say, you know, one is good for something, one is good for other things. Sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. And we're not looking at this game of either or anymore. I, I, I've never thought it was an either or. Obviously, you haven't because you're a wireless professional, but I can rewind this clock about two or three years to some of the user conferences and some of the people who have asked me questions, and I'm not a wireless expert by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, oh, you know, can we just throw out our access points now because this is going to change everything? Well, you could. <laughs> That you're, you'd have a different cost structure. I think they're complementary, and they each solve separate problems. They just solve them differently. The premise you started with was, it's going to be easy for the enterprise to adopt 5G. I don't think it's going to be easy. There's complexity involved in the way 5G works, technically, that can be masked, and they may incorporate it inside some Wi-Fi vendor's OS. But it's still a whole different stack. And they don't really talk, talk well together. Avril, I mean, you teach both 5G and yeah. Wi-Fi. They're, yeah. they're pretty different. Well, I think, OK, so I just want to take a slightly different position, if I can, because you're absolutely right. There, there are some significant differences between them, uh, like you were talking about, like um, you know, the, how you control access to the RF. 
But what's interesting, if you look at the Wi-Fi standards and you look at the 5G standards from a radio perspective, they are adopting very similar technologies, right? Um, you know, you're finding sub-carrier spacing is starting to converge. They're, they're, they're overlapping. Um, you're starting to find the MIMO technologies, they're overlapping. You're finding that Wi-Fi is trying to move to a central control of the RF. So from my mind is today they are separate and it is difficult to implement 5G uh, in the enterprise environment. But what happens down the road? So let's say an enterprise adopts 5G maybe in the outside environment because that's where Wi-Fi doesn't work today. Now they're comfortable with Wi-Fi, I mean for 5G, so we're like two, three years down the road. And they say, well, why don't I bring it indoors? Right? Why wouldn't I replace my Wi-Fi network? I can, I'm not saying it will happen, but I can see a scenario where we say, why don't we use 5G for everything? Because 5G can work in the unlicensed band. It doesn't today. And there's really no services that theoretically I couldn't do on 5G. I can't do them today. Yes, it's expensive today. Yes, it's complex today, but it's possible. And why would I, in five years' time, assuming that I have adopted cellular for my difficult areas and I've got Wi-Fi, why would I continue with two different technologies when I could move to one that could potentially do everything? And, and, and at the same time, we've got Wi-Fi, which is trying to continue to evolve itself and do low latency and all of the things that potentially I could do with 5G. I think it's up in the air a little bit. I could see a scenario where 5G could replace Wi-Fi, right? In, in one sense, I totally agree. The cellular technology is a, such a better steward of the RF spectrum, mm -hmm. and it's the thing we have the least of. Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi is terrible at doing it. Right. We waste a lot of RF spectrum, and 5G is very conscientious about the spectrum that it has. Right. The difference is the basis of the whole cellular was per packet charges and where's the money? Mm -hmm. And Wi-Fi's basis was, hey, they're free. We got NICs on, you know, uh, my toaster has one. They're right. everywhere. And I think that you're planning five years in the future, unless the business economics changes, Wi-Fi will still have to be there from a pricing standpoint, a business model. Right, but don't you think the? I mean, I go back to the beauty of Wi-Fi. I always thought was the simplicity of Wi-Fi, right? Back years and years ago, and now it's so complex, right? And my access point doesn't cost a little bit of money. I'm now spending thousands of dollars on my access point, and I, I see Wi-Fi getting more and more and more complex. And if you go into the 5G world, and what they talk about is how do we make um, cellular more and more simple? And again, you're seeing that convergence between the two, not only at the technology front, but the market that they're going after. I mean, it could be interesting, but I think you're right. There's so much Wi-Fi out there, I can't see it going away in five years, but I'm at least throwing it out there to say that there is a scenario where you have to at least question, you know, there is a possibility, right? I'd like to, to pivot just our, our discussion a, a little bit. And I, 
I think we're, we're setting ourselves up for, for danger if we try to simplify 5G and we start losing a lot of the flexibility and the advantages this technology brought in. It's scary on the enterprise because we don't have a lot of the skill sets there. So instead of simplifying 5G, I, I think we need to spend more time ramping up that skill set on the enterprise side so we can adopt the technology. Now to get 5G in initially, we need simple uh, architectures and deployments that we can roll out to get that wedge in there. But in five years time where the vision comes and perhaps 5G ends up being more successful with Wi-Fi and we take over, at that point we'll have the skill set in the enterprise to start rolling out uh, enterprise-based 5G deployments and take advantage of what 5G brings to the table. Mm. So I want to rewind the clock. Well, we'll say about 20 years or so. Um, there was a very similar debate that was going on. Why would I ever want to use this fancy wireless networking? My laptop has an Ethernet port. I can just mm -hmm. plug in wherever I want. And yeah, maybe I can't walk around and use it, but stuff's a little dodgy anyway. And now look at us. I mean, can you find a laptop on the market that still has a network port? I mean, maybe if you buy a breakout box. Mm. But I don't know many laptops that have a 5G radio built into them. Keith, you talked about your toaster having wireless or your washing machine or your fridge. How many of them have SIM slots? And I, I, I think where you're heading with that is it's tied to the actual chipsets. Mm -hmm. The cost of cellular chipsets is 5x, 10x higher than the cost of a Wi-Fi chipset. And that differential, the chip manufacturers could, I mean, it's just a chip. The, the actual physical cost isn't there. But the development cost, they sell them at an entirely different price point. And, and so you're not going to be adding a cellular chip with its SIM card onto a toaster when it's the cellular technology has been based on per byte transactions versus all the transactions are free on Wi-Fi. And not only that, but going back to that argument about complexity, we've talked a lot about the complexity in the infrastructure. What about client complexity? Remember the iPhone 4 and antenna gate? You're holding it wrong when you cover up the antenna notch on the bottom of the phone and suddenly your signal goes haywire. I mean, we haven't exactly solved the problems when it comes to that. I mean, you walk around in any building and look at the way the antennas are pointed on a Wi-Fi access point. We're still not there yet. But there's a different level of engineering that has to go into material science and things like that. I mean, look at how many times we argue about whether or not the back of a new phone needs to be glass to allow for wireless charging versus metallic to do this. And oh, well, no, we can't really do it that way because we're going to attenuate the signal too much. And these are not solved problems for what we're using today. And now I'm going to try, oh, well, I need to put an access port in the back of this toaster to be able to pop a SIM card in. Do I want to use eSIM in my toaster because I don't want to, I want to seal it up? What is eSIM going to add to this? How's it, can my grandmother get this thing online without any kind of uh, instructions from me or, you know, the little tiny folded up paper that gets shoved in there or maybe the QR code that takes me online? I mean, we talk about the complexity from the infrastructure side all the time. The client complexity of just going full 5G or even 5G and Wi-Fi is a lot. I think we've now in 2023, we have reached the point where most people know how to join a thing to a network. I think the toaster example is a little bit of extreme use case, and I don't think it takes advantage of the of what 5G brings to the table. So the clients where it is advantageous, they would be willing to spend money on those client devices in the factories, warehouses, industrial 
environments where, where the investments would be ready to be made for those. So, so I think it could easily quite, uh, quite happen and we could bring in 5G and roll it out through those verticals much, uh, much sooner. Let me play devil's advocate for just a second, Troy. How many 802.11b hand inventory scanners have you encountered in your career in the last three years? At mine sites, I've encountered last century's Wi-Fi devices and they're comparing the performance of Wi-Fi technology from last century and looking at the advantages of what 5G offers today and uh, aggressively looking at migrating to a 5G infrastructure where they don't have to pay for subscriber costs on packets because it's a private network. So 20 years ago, uh, there was a big concern paying for the amount of bandwidth, but in a private network, it's the same cost as Wi-Fi for, per, per packet for subscription fees. But I think part of the initial premise was, is it simple? One issue moving to private LTE, private 5G, is your client devices have to have at least a spare SIM or an eSIM mm -hmm. and be able to be in the bands based on whatever geography you're in. So you need frequency, you need a SIM solution, and you need a spare SIM because most people who have a phone or a device need it to also be on the regular cellular network. We've talked about the complexity of clients. We've talked about the complexity of the infrastructure. There's one thing we haven't talked about yet, the complexity of the spectrum. Because one of the problems that we run into when we do this, in Wi-Fi, I don't care. It's an unlicensed spectrum band. As long as nobody is running a microwave or using dual width channels in 2.4 gigahertz, I pretty much have my run of the place, right? You're making the assumption, you're, you're forgetting all the history. In the beginning, we didn't. You're right. We had ISM only, and then we fought to get Uni 1, and we fought to get Uni 2, and then we fought to get the DFS, and we fought to get 6 gig. So it has been a 20, you know, two decade travel to get there. You're correct. Today, in private LTE, 5G, there's a smattering all over the globe. There is no harmonization, but we're working toward it, and it's actually moving fairly fast. But right now in Wi-Fi, I, there's nobody that can walk into my building and say, you're on my channel, you need to get off of it. Whereas with private LTE and 5G and the bands that we deal with today, there are licensed infrastructure that are operating in those bands and they can sick the federal government, whatever federal government it happens to be, on me to make me move around. We have to up our planning game in order to be able to deploy these things, which creates an additional level of complexity. Is that something that today's Wi-Fi engineers or wireless teams are willing to pick up? This is not as simple as picking up your favorite um, planning app and launching it and hoping that everything works because you could build the most beautiful plan in the world with certain constraints and somebody walks into your building tomorrow and goes, nope, can't do that because I own that and here's a piece of paper that says you can't. Well, don't we have something kind of similar to that already with uh, SAS on CBRS and uh, AFC for Wi-Fi where we're essentially managing uh, shared spectrum on a national level. But even with, with that SAS that you have in CBRS, you might today go, well, I, I, I can go into this chunk that's open, generally available. Mm -hmm. And then two months from now, a neighbor comes in and you have to cut it in half. Mm -hmm. And your entire design was designed on having this much spectrum and now you have neighbors, so you have a quarter of what you used to have. That, that's a difficult thing to overcome. It's not, it's lightly licensed, but there's it's still more complex than totally unlicensed. But going back to Keith's point is that the evolution of spectrum becomes absolutely critical when you're thinking about this. And 
when you look at the, we've all been talking for years about the growth of data and how much data is going to have to go across our wireless networks. We have to embrace millimeter wave. There's no choice for us in the future. Um, we have to go that way. And there's just tremendous amount of spectrum. It's the only solution for the amount of data that we want to put across our networks. And coupled with that, we have to get the beamforming, the multi-use MIMO, the massive MIMO actually working. And there are significant technical challenges for that today. The products that are out there today are not really leveraging the, the multiple antennas that they have. And we're talking about going to many, many more antennas. So we've got a very large technical path that we have to follow in the next few years. And I think that's where the excitement's going to be for the future is can we get massive MIMO? Can we get a millimeter wave working such that we can support the demand that the users are having for our data over our networks? So I want to ask you all for one takeaway. What is something that a wireless engineer that's considering deploying private 5G or private LTE today can do to understand and possibly even reduce the complexity that they face? I think the first thing I would recommend is go get certified. There's multiple places you can go get training to be certified to do CBRS in the US. So if you're in the US, that's, that's where you can go. And you'll learn the basic concepts and be able to understand the differences between Wi-Fi and cellular. And that's, that's a first step. There, there's more, but if you can at least get to that part, the knowledge is starting to sink in. Troy? I agree with that. Uh, learn what you don't know. Uh, Avril's actually put together a great class, uh, certified 5G um, specialist that's offered through CWNP, which is an excellent place to start uh, filling in information that you need to become aware of to be successful in 5G deployments in your enterprise. Mm. So I was going to say, go take my course. <laughs> but, uh, let, me, let me give her a different answer, therefore. Um, but I think um, if you are in the enterprise and you're in networking, you have to look at private 5G. Um, it has a role to play. You have to embrace it. Don't be afraid of it. There is a learning curve. The industry is trying to simplify it for you. Um, embrace it, touch it, touch it today. Don't wait. That would be my message. All technology is scary when we first look at it, whether it's a car or a computer or some form of AI that can read my mind. And anyone who tells you that it's quick and easy and simple is probably trying to sell you something because the reality is no matter how easy it looks, that's probably because we've encapsulated the challenging part somewhere else and we're just kicking that can down the road until we have to learn it. The key for us as enterprise technology administrators, operators, engineers, architects, is to know our enemy. Know the thing that causes us anxiety. Learn as much as you can about it. Understand where the complexity comes from. Maybe it's different compared to the way that we used to configure things before. I used to have to memorize registry keys to be able to do my job for Windows, and now I don't because we've evolved past that. By understanding where the challenges need to be solved, understanding how to ease implementation and operation of those things, we can make things truly easier, not only for us, but for the people that we work with, and maybe a little less stressful.
That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. Remember, we have a brand new episode coming out about every two weeks. You can find the latest episode at gestaltit.com slash podcast. So you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash video, or you can subscribe to this, <laughs> excuse me, or you can subscribe to this as a podcast. Just open up your favorite podcast application and choose the On-Premise IT Podcast. If you have a premise for us that you'd like us to debate in a future episode, please make sure you tweet at us. We're at On-Premise IT, and yes, we are using premise correctly. We should be back in a couple of weeks with another great episode. Until then, see you soon.